This is the Truth Podcast, where we question everything and no topic is off limits. I got it all covered. Discover the truths about topics you were never taught in school. Learn the uncomfortable and inconvenient truths about current events, geopolitics, culture, economics, and healthcare. You're now listening to the Truth Podcast. Question everything. And now your host, Richard. Yes, and welcome back to another episode of the Truth Podcast. Question everything. It is Monday, December 2nd, 2019. I am your host, as always, Richard, and we are going to start a new topic this week focused on social media. The question is, is social media a weapon of the CIA? But before we get into this week's topic, I would like to thank all the new subscribers, and please don't forget to leave a comment, like, share, subscribe if you're on YouTube, BitChute, or Brighton, or video platform uh, networks, or if you're listening traditionally through your favorite podcast player, whether it be iTunes, whether it be Pandora, whether it be Slacker Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you choose to listen, be sure to give us a nice rating and be sure to give us a review and let me know if you're learning something new on the Truth Podcast. So with that being said, let's get into this week's topic. So, social media. They are convenient, relatively easy to use, and helps millions of people around the world stay connected with friends and family, at least digitally. But social media portals like Facebook and Twitter are increasingly being exposed as what appear to be bait-and-switch spying networks funded and potentially even run covertly by the CIA and other government agencies. And this is all apparently being done for the purpose of gathering real-time data on the private lives of individuals willing to freely post such information for the world to see. It is something that serious investigative journalists and skeptics alike have suspected for years, especially as sites like Facebook have gradually and quietly eliminated users' access to privacy tools that once kept their information classified by default. Today, Facebook is literally an open book of information that is freely available not only to the rest of the internet, but also to numerous government agencies that many years ago invested millions of dollars to make social networking sites like Facebook what they are today. When Facebook was first getting off its feet, it turns out the company received a huge cash injection from a venture capital firm known as Axel Partners. According to reports, Axel's head, James Breyer, was a former chairman at National Venture Capital Association, where he served on the board with Gilman Louie, who was the CEO of another venture capital group known as Incutel. Now, according to Incutel's mission page, the group, which invested nearly $13 million during Facebook's early days, was first launched in 1999 as a catalyst for keeping the CIA up to date with the latest information gathering technologies. Not surprisingly, the primary purpose of Incutel is to quote-unquote build relationships with technology startups outside the reach of the intelligence community, unquote, and partner with private sector groups who are willing to co-invest in its portfolio companies. If you connect the dots here, it becomes clear that Breyer's expertise is in connecting the CIA with private enterprises like Facebook and Twitter 
that focus on gathering information, whether it be for marketing or for some other purpose. And it appears as though the CIA front group in QTEL saw a unique opportunity to use newfangled social media to gather intelligence in a completely new way without actually having to gather it at all, at least in the traditional sense. We have to look at where the seed money for these social networks came. We do know that the CIA, through InQtel, its venture capital firm, provided a lot of seed money for many of these companies that developed these social networking operations and programs. So people have to be aware that when they put personal information online, they're basically doing the CIA's job for them. The moral of the story here is that nothing on the internet is private or sacred, especially when it's posted on social media. You can be sure that Big Brother is actively monitoring the activities of social media users continuously and compiling this data for total control purposes. The good news, however, is that you always have the option to completely delete, not just deactivate, your Facebook account. Same goes for Twitter and YouTube and all the other social media networking sites out there. Part of the problem with Facebook and social media in general is that they're far worse than the original monopolies like International Harvester and, and Standard Oil and far more dangerous because they monopolize not just our industries but our brains. They control, or at least inordinately influence, how Americans and even much of the world think. Last year, there was news that Facebook had trust scores for users but of course would not reveal them to those same users is, to put it mildly, pretty distressing. One wonders what the score of, say, George Orwell might have been. That Animal Farm was inflammatory stuff. And how about Otto Huxley, the drug abuser who wrote Brave New World? And what about you and I? How does that make you feel when your random comments and opinions are being cataloged for future use as they would be in a Stalinist police state. It's one thing for the government to do that, and they do, but another for media that are so pervasive their reach dwarfs government. Oh, but these people are liberals. They're good. As a great Italian playwright Luigi Perandello once said, it is so if you think so. But before we discuss a cure, let's examine how this can of digital worms came to be. The titans of, of social media are all relatively the same age. They and most of those who work for them are products of the same pervasive liberal educational system of rigid enforced political correctness that begins at a very young age and accelerates through college. It's no wonder that they think within these constrained boundaries and almost inevitable that these same values will be reflected in the algorithms they construct to monitor their sites. Garbage in, garbage out. It should not be in the least surprising that the mildest of rebellions at Google, a tentative, almost circumspect questioning of whether gender had more influence on our lives than dictated by PC culture, resulted in the expulsion of the rebel. Further to this education, it's likely the leaders of these companies and their many minions, including those who write the algorithms, had little exposure to the principles of the founding fathers of our country or the European thinkers, 
Locke, Montesquieu, etc., who influenced them. They are largely ignorant of concepts of freedom and liberty that are glossed over in our schools, especially for young people whose studies emphasize tech and business. The Zuckerbergs of the world and their cronies act like people who are so conventional in their thinking and so wedded to their puerile version of liberalism, not to be confused with classical liberalism, that they don't seem to realize their enforcement methods veer to the totalitarian the Zuckerbergs of the world and their cronies act like people who are so conventional in their thinking and so wedded to their puerile version of liberalism, not to be confused with classical liberalism, that they don't seem to realize their enforcement methods veer to the totalitarian, or they simply don't care and will do anything to get their critics off their backs and continue their quest for wealth and power. The most obvious solutions are either to boycott them or to start alternative institutions, both of which have been tried to some extent. This approach, as good as it sounds and consonant as it is with free market ideals, is unfortunately naive and out of sync with the lives we are living. The first mover advantage of these tech giants is tremendous. It is hard to see how they will be replaced, at least in the short term. So we are left with the uncomfortable specter of government regulation, something we classical liberals decidedly dislike. Yet, we seem to have no choice. Social media has become a form of super-government, more influential than the government itself, infecting the world almost like a living organism. We do, however, actually have a choice. Government-enforced deregulation. Legislation could be passed forbidding social media from keeping anybody out, censoring anybody, and accepting a very few people such as child pornographers already against the law. Yeah, I know that these are private companies entitled to do anything as they wish, but a line has been crossed that very few ever anticipated. These entities have become the primary arenas of free expression in the world. They can exercise more control than any government. This cannot and should not be allowed to continue. I thank you for listening to this week's Topic of the Truth podcast, Question Everything. We will leave it right here. I hope to hear from you and see you next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Monday, enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll catch you right here back on the Truth Podcast where we question everything. Take care. God bless.